Like a roadie to a rock show, the behind-the-scenes role of maintenance is a vital function to the success of any fleet. Not only must a fleet focus on optimizing its vehicles, but it also must come up with a system to repair and maintain its existing equipment. Luckily, the future is bright as new technology aims to disrupt the way we do maintenance. Today, we look at maintenance overall, how far we've come and where we're going in this episode of Loaded and Loaded. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson, enterprise trucking carrier expert here at Freight Waves, and we're coming to you from our studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For those unfamiliar with fleet maintenance, it can feel like a whole other world. While fleet operations focuses on utilizing equipment, there is an entire support ecosystem dedicated to keeping those assets running. From breakdown call centers, repair shops, equipment purchasing, parts ordering, to even asset purchasing and financing, the fleet support staff spend countless hours working with various groups to find and repair damaged vehicles. Joining us next to talk about the future of fleet maintenance is Norm Thomas. He's a business consultant for Fleet at Uptake, a Chicago-based industrial intelligence software company that enables predictive maintenance for on-highway fleets. Norm has been in transportation for over 30 years, both on the trucking and trucking technology sides of the industry. Previously, he worked at Trimble, Carrier Web, and U.S. Express. Norm, welcome, sir. Yes, I am pleasure to be here this afternoon. It is a pleasure to have you on. And, you know, given your experience, we're talking about decades here in the industry, how have you seen uh, fleet maintenance change over the years? Well, you know, it's uh, interesting. One of my former bosses uh, here in Chattanooga made a comment a few months ago at dinner that we're basically still doing maintenance the way we did 40 years ago when his dad owned the company, which is true. It's changing the oil, greasing the fifth wheel, but technology has really changed the trucks. Uh, the quality has, has improved in our equipment, and that's prompted some changes on the on the maintenance side of the house where we're using more computer tools, uh, diagnostic tools. A higher trained uh, technician is now in the field uh, taking a look at these trucks. So, yes, the basic fundamentals are the same as they have been always, but we're approaching it with new tools. And I think that's been the biggest change in the industry in the last 20 years. And looking at some of these tools, uh, oftentimes when you hear about fleet ops, driver retention is a big issue. Diesel prices and fuel prices are obviously ongoing. But for folks who are unfamiliar with fleet maintenance, uh, what are some of these additional behind-the-scenes challenges uh, that you've encountered or you hear from? Yes, a lot of it is, you know, understanding how to keep uh, equipment up and healthy, right? It's about fleet health at the end of the day. How healthy are my trucks? Do my drivers depend on a healthy truck? How does it impact my customers uh, to, to have a healthy truck? And so those are the things that, that I think fleet operators are really struggling with. You know, when does a driver get upset because a truck's broke down for the third time? Is he going to leave the company because he feels like he can't make money consistently? So behind the scenes, it, it's more about keeping the truck up and running, making it available to operations so that it can pick a load up, transit through the route, and deliver on time. Uh, and in good order and keep the driver happy and reduce costs, whether it's fuel costs or, or maintenance breakdown costs out on the road. Those are the big drivers uh, that I think are really 
keeps a, a maintenance, uh, you know, executive up at night. That's what I was curious about. I remember as a fleet manager, uh, you had a truck go down, it's down for a few days, driver's frustrated. So this kind of opens the door with our technology. So this is a follow-on when you're talking about driver frustrations. That means that potentially maintenance is a form of driver attention. How good you are at keeping your equipment running and the technology you use could save you as long as you're not, you know, if you're doing it fast enough, right? Right, exactly. It's a great follow-on comment there. Uh, yes, the, so the drivers are dependent on, especially in the four hire space, they depend on moving that truck. So one of the things I always tell the sales team, if that truck's not moving, that guy's not making money. And when a driver is moving, he wants to have confidence that that truck is going to get him from point A to point B to C to D uh, without any downtime. And with the supply chain the way it is today, you know, parts availability is struggling. Uh, new deliveries of new trucks have been struggling from the OEM. So companies are keeping trucks longer instead of turning them in every 24, 36 months. They're now going 60 months and 72 months uh, on this equipment. And as they age, more problems happen. So they get unhealthier. Drivers need to feel comfortable that they're driving a healthy truck and they can consistently stay on the road versus sitting in a repair shop somewhere for multiple hours or in a hotel room waiting on a, a vehicle to be repaired. I like that point when you're talking about 60 to 72 months is becoming the norm. Has that changed any fleet's approach to maintenance? Because normally, at least from my experience, I came from US Express as well. You talk about you want to trade in your trucks and get new ones. And now when we're going pushing 60 to 72 months, does this change the game in terms of how we look at our our, uh, our maintenance program? It, it does. I mean, it's, a, you know, proven statistics show that as equipment ages, it, it is more susceptible to breakage, right? Things start to, to wear out, components wear out. Uh, it doesn't operate as efficiently as it should. Uh, so the age of the truck has a has a big play into the maintenance. How often do I bring it in? What should I be doing to maintain it to keep it up and running from a PM perspective? And how often should I do it? And does that accelerate as the truck grows older? I think those are some of the questions that, that really fleet maintenance people are just now starting to think about. I remember the BPM reports and the PM reports. And as a fleet manager, I would constantly get yelled at if you didn't route them in. Is that something where, in your experience, uh, have you heard anything anecdotally about doing these PMs closer together? Or is there anything, uh, just kind of curious if it still maintains its same cycle? Because I I was familiar back in the day with the, the timing or the miles. Yeah, that's interesting. It's probably close to the same as it has always been. I mean, a lot of the fleets work strictly off the OEM recommendations. So if the OEM says you need to do a PM and change your oil over 35,000 miles, they they stick pretty close to it. However, with the technology such as what Uptake's bringing to the table, we see more and more of these fleet operators and maintenance people wanting to really dynamically change um, PMs. Is it really 35,000 or can I go 40 or 45,000 or should it be 25? So what's the truck telling me? I think the important you know, piece of this whole puzzle here is as the trucks are becoming smarter with more technology and there's more data, more rich depth of data on these trucks coming in, we need systems that are starting to look at it. So the truck is telling us what's going on and the truck can say, hey, I'm good until 40,000 miles on a PM. Uh, versus one that says I'm 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 perfect at 35. I think that's part of what it needs to to change in our industry. 
I've heard that, and a lot of folks I've spoken to said prescriptive versus predictive. Most people traditionally, like you said, with the OEM recommendations. How does the predictive maintenance work? And you know, how how are we uh, for those who still do it the old school way, just bring it in every certain amount of time or miles? Uh, what sets apart this predictive maintenance? Um, so traditionally, we do things on you know time or miles. That, that's been really the uh, the rule of thumb in maintenance for many many years. So I'll give you a little anecdotal story. Maybe this will answer it. We had a, a pilot customer um, who knew that their knock sensors had had took problems uh, from a quality standpoint. So based on OEM recommendation, they were changing out their knock sensors every 200,000 miles. They bring the trucks in, they change the knock sensor, put it back on the road. So they gave us about 75 days worth of their work order data. We ran our uh, uh streaming data against that work order data. And we came back and said, during the 75-day period, you did, in fact, change the knock sensor on 132 assets that were all at 200,000-mile interval. At the same time, we called out on our predictive maintenance 131 assets that actually were showing problems with the knock sensor. What was interesting to the customer is that there was only a 25-asset overlap, which meant they worked on over 100 trucks that didn't need a knock sensor replaced, and we called out an additional 100 trucks that they didn't address because it was their interval. And this caused a problem by leaving trucks on the road with an issue. I think that's really cool to think about because the quality of the data that you pull is so important. So now with the predictive side, you're able to say, uh, you know, you have the use case, you have the statistics, and so you are able to catch, uh, you said, approximately 100 of the trucks that fell below the radar, and that's some of the ways that are getting fleets caught up right now in the cycle is they're just not catching it. They don't have the data to predict it. Exactly. You know, and, and one of the things that when you ask fleets, you know, where do you see most of your issues? They will almost always call out after treatment problems and battery power problems. Um, and that fans across any age of truck. So a brand new truck uh, coming off the lot that's in service that's a, a shop at U.S. Express can spend a week on the road and start having after-treatment problems, whether it's DPF regens that are not uh, happening or knock sensors that are calling out an anomaly of some kind because maybe the depth injector's clogged up and it's not working like it should. And that doesn't really pertain to age. That, that's any truck level. And I think just being able to utilize the technology to really call these things out, it can fundamentally change operations and how they're utilizing the assets, which is really important because that's where the revenue is generated. I think that's such a great point. We're talking the DEF uh, and the after treatment. I even saw it myself. There'd be so many issues where you get a, a brand new truck off the line and then something would just happen on one of the particulate filters. And if the sensor goes down and there's no repair parts, now you're kind of up the creek and the driver's mad because he's being put in an older unit or something. Was there anything where with that data, it's starting to see that if you meet these criteria, you can almost predict that maybe this will have a battery issue, even though it has an inverter or a, an auxiliary power unit. Uh, that's where this yeah. richness of data comes in, right? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. So when you look at whether it's battery power, and maybe the alternator's working okay, and it's actually charging the battery during the day, but the usage on the battery is is greater than the alternator can keep up. So what happens is the battery falls below crane voltage, right? It's working okay. There's no lights on. There's no fault codes coming on. But the driver, as soon as he sets down for the night and takes his 10-hour break, uh, he's not going to be able to crank his truck because the battery is below cranking voltage. Those are some of the issues that are out there. DPF's another one. So here's something interesting with DPF. 
A predictive maintenance system can call out DPF regen issues and let you know that the regen is being ineffective. But really, if you want to understand how that is being impacted, you have to look at the usage, operational usage of the truck. If he's running down the interstate out west and he's running 75 and he reaches the appropriate point within the exhaust and it needs a regen, it'll go into a rolling regen. However, if he runs into Dallas and he's stop and go in the middle of traffic, he'll never reach the RPM level to do that. So operationally, it helps to be aware of what's going on with the truck as well as functionally and mechanically what's going on with the truck. And oftentimes, the mechanical part is being impacted by the operational use. It reminds me of idling uh, restrictions. Large fleets have idling restrictions. Uh, when I started in a small fleet, that was an issue we ran into is we kept clogging up our filters, removed the idling restrictions, and then now we knew we were getting all these problems with forced regions, DEF filters, calling roadside. So that's a situation where based on where you drive, I, I think you put in such a great point. If you're driving in uh, cross-country versus driving in traffic, a lot of fleets, uh, I know I didn't even pick up on it until I started talking to folks about this. You don't know that your driving style can increase your risk of something messing up. So that's what you guys are starting to see with the data and advising people is you got to pay attention to how you use it, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's something that's interesting too. And I've, I've talked to a lot of fleets and I've watched a lot of breakdown departments over the years. And, and most breakdown departments don't really understand operationally how the truck's being used. That's a problem. Um, they rely on the driver for feedback many times, which isn't wrong, but another anecdotal story, we had a truck under a pilot and it was showing a low coolant. So they called the driver and said, hey, we're showing low coolant on your truck. You got any lights on? Nope, no lights on. Everything's fine. Next day, same thing. By the third day, they finally said, look, there's a problem. Have you ever checked your coolant? And the driver said, well, yeah, it leaks down, but I top it off every time I get fuel. So not so depending on the driver's input is not always the best. So let the data tell you what's going on and then compare that against the operational use of it and then make your decisions to get that truck in now for a critical problem before it derates out on the interstate and you're forced into a tow situation or tee up that in a work order that says, you know, that truck's due in in a week to have a PM while it's here. Here are the other components that we see problems with that we need to take care of. That's where predictive maintenance and predictive analytics starts really impacting your decision-making process from a fleet perspective. Well, I feel like also kind of adding to your point, that, off, that gives you the opportunity to use it as training. Because I know with some drivers and I manage fleets, you've got some drivers that do a very thorough inspection. You've got other drivers that kind of eyeball it and they say, close enough, I'm going to drive. And then when it breaks down, they wonder why their vehicle's not working. So having this predictive data, collecting this data and using the AI to sift through it, now you can say, hey, if you paid closer attention to your levels, this has been a consistent problem based on your usage history. Exactly. I, that, that's a great point. You know, driver training, a lot of this comes with uh, confidence level, right? As your confidence level from a maintenance perspective, as a maintenance operator or a technician or driver, as your confidence level starts really gaining uh, higher uh, importance on what you're seeing from the analytics and what the predictive maintenance is telling you, now you're going to make decisions more based on the fact that uh, the truck's telling me what's wrong versus I don't really, not sure. Let me go check it. I want to ask the driver. I think get, getting that confidence level is, is really important um, and getting the driver then to be part of the maintenance team uh, so that he's helping maintain the truck.
I think that's a great uh, a great segue looking into, we know the value of it, and I think we have some great anecdotal stories as well of how it's so important and what can happen when it messes up. Trying to adopt these better preventive, you know, preventive maintenance practices. You spoke about earlier how a lot of fleets are stuck 40 years in the past. What are some of the obstacles that uh, are standing in the way towards trying to get people to use uh, better practices? It's really operational change of, of the maintenance department. How do they ingest this data? into their workday? How do they make different decisions? Um, so understanding the change management that goes on within the company. You know, one of the things that I do for uptake is go into our customers and spend a week on site and I document everything going on and I come up with a, a good process map of the way things work today, say in the breakdown department. This is what happens on a daily basis. Here's how phone calls are handled. Here's how decisions are made. And then we come, uh, you know, spend a, a week away from the office and come up with a future state map. Now, a lot of that's based on my input. A lot of it's based on what I know are best practices. A lot of it's based on the vision of the, the department and the maintenance department and, and really try to understand, uh, you know, what it could be and then come up with a future state map that says, here's how things should work process-wise, here's where you can improve, and this is how you can take advantage of not just our technology, but other technologies that you have that you're not utilizing at the highest level. So I think process change and the ability to in introspect in your department and say, I've got to do things differently, while at the same time maintaining a high level of maintenance um, with the rest of your fleet while you're doing this. I think those are the challenges that a maintenance manager looks at, and they're a little daunting to do that because most of them have no IT help. They have uh, maybe a budget they're, they're running on. They're constantly being hammered to reduce costs. So going in and saying for a period of time, I want to increase costs and I need some IT help, but here's what the end result is. It can be a little difficult for some of these fleet operators in the maintenance department. That's why I feel like it's a tale of two cities. Uh, coming from my experience at a large asset-based carrier with thousands of trucks, and then I came from a startup that we had, you know, tens approaching 70 trucks. It really does put the size and scope of your maintenance department feels like two different worlds. Have you noticed that, is there any additional challenges based on size? Is it easier to change a smaller maintenance or small fleet, or is it easier to try to get a, a larger fleet to change their habits? It's really harder at a small level. Uh, what happens with a lot of smaller fleets, and, and by smaller, I'd say anything that's probably 500 trucks or less, a lot of times they will sign an agreement with an OEM for full service. So when you come in and say, hey, I do predictive maintenance, and this is how it works, and here's how it can impact you, it's a little difficult for them to make that change. Um, they accept the cost they have today. It's already written into some kind of lease program or full service maintenance program, so they're not really concerned. And when you get with a large carrier, a U.S. Express uh, and larger, they're a lot different. They they do have some resources. They do understand uh, that, you know, cost is uh, relative to size, uh, even though it all boils down to a cost per mile. It's really relative to size and scaling, right? How well do I absorb those costs into the scale? Multiple shops plus outside OEMs and third parties. And, and so they seem to want to change and adopt change more readily than a than an independent smaller company would. And I think that like just looking at it from the ground up, I remember working 
uh, at, at a size of U.S. Express, you work with a dedicated department. They have it in-house. They know their terminal operations. So they're, you know, they're having their own technicians. So the conversations are already focused on one side. But at a small fleet, sometimes your fleet manager is your maintenance person. And so uh, yeah. is that does that add some of the complexities where it's like, I literally got to add extra time to your day, but this will save you time later. Is that kind of what makes it a harder sell? It, it is, uh, and you're right. That's a great uh, point to make. The, the fleet manager or dispatcher a lot of times acts as the payroll clerk. He's also, you know, the the hotel coordinator when the driver needs to be put into a hotel overnight, as well as a load planner. And on top of that, he's taking phone calls from the driver and he's trying to get him into the shop and he's making sure he understands that uh, you know PMs do or, or or things like that. And it impacts his operational day. I just think adding more time and, and process to their day is something that they push back against um, pretty hard. In larger companies like U.S. Expresses, they have a dedicated call-in group that, that their job is to take phone calls from drivers and get them into the shop. And part of what they're doing now is a more proactive approach where they can take in predictive analytics and look at it and say, you know, this driver hasn't called me yet, but he's probably going to call me. If he realizes he has a problem, I'm going to get him in at his next delivery and I'm going to spend an hour getting this truck taken care of. Drivers seem to really um, accept that from a very positive standpoint because now they feel like somebody's looking out for me. They're ensuring my truck's you know, equipment is, is where it needs to be from a health standpoint so I can make money. And I've seen that firsthand at some of these large carriers. So that's kind of a good selling point, thinking about you want to get the driver involved, kind of framing it as I want to do this to help you make more money. And then they see the results of it. Are there any other like misconceptions folks have about uh, predictive maintenance or anything that like uh, folks wouldn't really expect? Because I know a lot of folks have covered AI and predictive maintenance, but were there any like big myths you had to, to fight against when trying to get people to adopt? Well, I think most of it is a misperception of what they believe a predictive maintenance system in AI is. I think we've we've used the terms AI around quite a bit in software and and you know quite a few science fiction movies out that make AI out to be some some uh, independent machine uh, that's smarter than a human. And and really, it's about learning as you go. That's what machine learning is about, and that's what AI really is about: is learning as you go. Um, so one of the misperceptions, I think the biggest one is if I go down the path of predictive analytics, it's going to fix all my maintenance problems. It's not going to, it's really going to point out your maintenance problems, but if you're paying attention to it, it's going to give you an advanced notification so you can make a decision to get that truck planned in a maintenance versus wait for it to break down on the road. That's really the biggest turning point for a, a fleet, I think, from their acceptance level. And I, I think that's a great point. People think of it as a crutch when it's really a helper. Um, as we're getting more yeah. adoption rates, what do you think this future is going to look like? Is this something that large fleets may adopt first, or is there opportunities for the smaller guys to get a head start? What are your thoughts on where the industry's heading? I, I think the big fleets will adopt first you know, simply because alternative fuel is out there today, right? We're looking at biofuels that, that's in the market, CNG, EVs are coming, that some fleets are running them now. And autonomous, and really autonomous is the game changer, because think about a truck with 80,000 loaded pounds running down the road without a driver to report any issues. At that point, AI and predictive maintenance really has to let the the, the operations know when there's a problem with the truck. Um, I just think that larger fleets are adopting those technologies first, and 
the follow-on to those as a companion will be predictive maintenance and, and AI. So the trucks are, are being more, um, you know, uh, smarter about what they're reporting in and then we're smarter about what we're taking in. But the, the smaller trucking companies probably will eventually go down that path. But I think the larger fleets have the money and the wherewithal and, and the appetite to adopt that technology sooner. And for folks who are interested in learning a little bit more, especially about uptake or trying to, you know, learn more and have some help on their maintenance, how would you recommend folks get in contact with y'all? Well, certainly go to our website, right, uptake.com. Uh, we're a Chicago-based company. Our, our job in life is is predictive maintenance and analytics, and that's what we do. There's some uh, resources out there you can look at, and there's some white papers you can read, and you can certainly send out a, a you know a note internal, and someone from our team will be in touch with you. We try not to bug you too much. We do a very effective demo. We explain to you what we think the the benefits are, and we work very closely with our prospect customers uh, to get them into a pilot. Prove it for yourself. Don't you don't necessarily have to take my word for it. I really do appreciate your time, Norm. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, we have you all on again sometime and continue to talk about changes in the industry. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I always enjoy talking about the industry I grew up in. And, and the issues that are faced. I would love to join you anytime you want to have me in. Perfect. Thank you so much. That's going to be it for Loaded and Rolling today, but you can catch us. We have a newsletter two times a week, maybe three. I may have a special edition coming up for a weekend read, uh, usually on Wednesdays, on Fridays or Saturdays, freightwaves.com slash loaded and rolling. You also find us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else a podcast may pop up, tv.freightwaves.com as well. Uh, That's all for today. I'm Thomas Watson. Keep it classy, though. We'll catch y'all next week. We're uh, loaded and rolling over and out.